Hello and welcome to podcast with Shift Density. My name is Shivli and I am the founder of Shift Density. I am a counseling psychologist, sexuality educator and a PhD scholar. With this podcast we hope to create more awareness about topics which are unheard of, which are tabooed and these topics are related to sexuality, disability and mental health. So thank you for tuning in. In this episode we are going to be talking about HIV and AIDS. As you know HIV is human immunodeficiency virus and AIDS is um acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. Today is World AIDS Day which is December 1st and we have Dr. Nivedita Manukaran who is a sexual and reproductive health expert and HIV specialist and clinician in Sydney. and we have done one more podcast with you dr nivedita and we are so happy to have you back thank you so much shivli thank you for having me today it's an absolute pleasure to be able to talk about uh, hiv and aids on this yes. day so let's get right into this uh, dr nivi um let let's start with the first question that comes to my mind which is what is hiv what is aids and how do they spread Perfect. I'm going to start off just for everybody's understanding with a very simple story that I always tell people, and that is to remember our body as a battlefield, and we have lot and lot of warriors, which are the immune cells. Mm-hmm. HIV is a virus; it's a, a human immunodeficiency virus, which comes and attacks the human body or infects the human body. most of the time through sexually transmission and sometimes through injecting drug use and sometimes it can also be transmitted from mother to baby uh when this hiv virus enters into our body all the immune cells that are there and go and fight this virus like the immune cells fight any other cold or anything else that we have usually um so but the, this virus is so strong and it replicates in so many different ways that it makes it almost impossible to destroy this virus completely so it becomes like a battlefield pretty much you know the cd4 cells which is the immune cells in our system fight this virus and this virus fights the immune system mm. back this can go on for a very very long mm-hmm. time surely and it completely depends depends on one person's immune system to another some people have a strong immune system and they can fight this infection for a long long time before they get really really sick with it some people have not so good immune system so they will start showing symptoms or start getting sick a little bit sooner with it um so initially in our body that there's a lot of these fighter cells that fight fight and fight so usually people don't have any symptoms or they cope with it pretty well not even knowing that they have it but that is when all the transmission happens and then at one point the number of virus takes over and all our warriors all the people are almost destroyed and sometimes they can even go as low as zero which is very very bad and when this warrior system in our cells goes they don't have the power to go and fight any other infection either because the hiv itself has destroyed them so 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 much so when you get other infections like tuberculosis or pneumonia 
or any other like toxoplasmosis any other infection which usually a person with decent immune system will not catch you start catching those infections because there are absolutely zero immune cells and those infections actually destroy a person or kill the person and that is called aids mm-hmm. which is an acquired immunodeficiency syndrome so when your immune system is good you acquire hiv and your immune system keeps fighting it when your immune system drops down you start getting other infections which actually causes the destruction it's not the hiv itself which kills the person it's immune system and then the other infections which you get because of your low immune system is the one that causes immunodeficiency syndrome which is aids and then that leads to death because people are not able to fight those infections so this is a simple way of understanding what actually hiv and aids hmm. is this is such a wonderful explanation when you were saying it i was almost visualizing what you were saying and it sounds such a easy way to understand but at the same time you know that it's a very yeah. deadly disease um yeah yes yes i think when we say it like a story then people yeah, understand definitely uh, how our immune system is fighting against it yeah like that you you use the terms hiv and aids together in this particular story um if we can clearly differentiate between what is hiv and what is aids because i think that is a huge myth that people have that if somebody has hiv means they will they also have aids so if you would like to talk yes. about that yes absolutely so just to make it very clear hiv and aids are not one and the same everybody who is with he- having hiv or being infected with hiv does not necessarily need to have aids at all this thing was a very old in the olden times like when i'm saying olden this is like 30 40 years going back when hiv started or hiv was first um, you know became a pandemic uh, there was not enough medications there was not enough research and people didn't know what was happening you know like it's like the coronavirus now when it's a new pandemic you actually struggle you don't know how to you know get around it or how to control it when that was happening and medications were not available people's immune system was going lower and lower and lower and they had no medicines to kill the virus and the virus was destroying your immune system which is the hiv and when the immune system goes down like i said before in the previous question the other infections start infecting you and damaging you and you start having terrible terrible illness and that illness was called acquired immunodeficiency syndrome because at that point you are immuno very very immunodeficient and your immune system has completely lost itself to the hiv virus so that is aids these days to be honest when people have hiv it does not mean that they have aids at all mm-hmm. you people with hiv can be diagnosed early started on treatment very early and got the virus under control that the virus does not touch your immune system and the immune system can be brought to a normal person's immune system and you can have a normal life expectancy without having aids in today's world when there is such beautiful treatment available honestly aids should be a very very rare thing and our main aim is to avoid and prevent aids because 
if you people are aware and if they are accepting and if there are many people going and getting tested early testing is early diagnosis early diagnosis is early treatment which means we are definitely not going to go towards the path of aids and that plays a very very important role in infection yeah understanding and awareness about these two and the difference and knowing the fact that there is a there is a treatment available that is more Absolutely. necessary for aids prevention so yes um, definitely i think we, we should be able to educate people straight away you know when people when you diagnose somebody with hiv what they are thinking is death what they are thinking is i'm going to die right yeah. i think it is very very important to let them know that this is not a death sentence anymore things have changed research have come far far away and there are fantastic medications like pills that are just one tablet once a day that's available to treat um, hiv and it's very important to tell them that hiv is not a death sentence nobody is dying anymore hiv is now defined as more as a chronic illness like diabetes hypertension high cholesterol you know how people take you know medications for rest of their life hiv is kind of yes hiv is become more like that where people mm-hmm. just have to take medications for rest of their lives but they can have a normal lifespan they don't have to have aids so if we try to educate them and tell people that starting on the treatment and accepting that you have it is probably not going to bring aids and you will not die but not accepting or withdrawing yourself and saying oh my god that's it i'm going to die that is what will probably eventually kill you uh, because <laughs> you're not doing the right thing so counseling and mental health when giving an hiv diagnosis is the key is the key hmm i think more than anything else this kind of conversation needs to happen so i really hope that when we are talking right now and people are yep. listening i hope they are able to learn this and also tell to people like you know that they might know uh, you know who have hiv so um absolutely yeah See, so shivali shivali i would just like to mention one more thing i think it is very important to understand mm-hmm. from the patient's perspective as well because a lot of the time the do- doctors don't have time or you know we, we just want, we we're just treating this as another diagnosis right it's like telling them you have dengue or typhoid or something like that uh, and saying okay here is your it, i don't think hiv can be treated that way i think uh, mm-hmm. hiv is a very very important and a very different it's a life changing stigmatizing uh, infection to be honest and it's been that way for a very long time and i think it's clinicians responsibility to make sure that we are breaking the stigma and trying to tell the patient that i hear you and i'm here to listen to you so when i usually give the diagnosis like the first time and i have to do so many other tests and prevention and a whole bunch of things i understand but if the mm-hmm. patient is not up to it if they are devastated i never force you know i never treat a patient by like you know like just to treat treat a file it's like oh i should have done all these bloods but i haven't done it so what? no no treat them human and be very uh, sympathetic and empathetic and understand how big this diagnosis can be because most of the time it's lack of knowledge so even after you know a, a day or two of talking to them and counseling and stuff then you can do uh, your bloods and medications and stuff and that should still be okay hmm okay 
so um you have been talking about how hiv is something that can be easily diagnosed so what could be the symptoms because you said that in the start there are almost no symptoms so how does a person find out that they have hiv right look like i said most of the times most stis have no no symptoms and hiv is definitely one of them especially because you if people have really good immune system you know they just very silently keep fighting this virus about 20% of the population uh can have what is called seroconversion illness what does seroconversion means your blood is getting converted from being hiv negative to being hiv positive that is called seroconversion you're converting to becoming a hiv positive person so when that conversion happens it usually happens between 3 to 4 weeks after you have had that risky sexual exposure uh so at that time people can have high temperatures and shivering and uh shakes and rigors and they can have rash they can have like generalized lymph nodes enlargement they can have fever uh so they can have some symptoms like that like a general unwellness and they can mm-hmm. also have symptoms like um gastro uh, like vomiting and diarrhea and get admitted in the hospital usually the patient themselves gives you a history of saying i remember being sick this one time oh my god i was sick like a dog they usually say that and they or they usually say i have never been sick like that before you have this mm. very classical typical history that patients give you if they have undergone that kind of zero conversion illness once mm. the conversion happens inside the body the illness actually settles on its own so it's mm. not like it is prompting people to go and get checked for hiv you know like mm. some people who have knowledge like if they have knowledge and they know they have had this unprotected sex and they are freaking out and they thinking god why am i having these symptoms then they might go and get a hiv test but if lot of the people do not have knowledge do not know that this is what could be happening after a risky sexual exposure this the, after a few days this will go away they might think oh this time the cold was bad or they might think this time my diarrhea and vomiting was bad and they will move past the zero conversion phase not even thinking that it is a part of hiv symptom unfortunately mm. um and then they move on till when their immune system completely crashes and they have aids defining illnesses like oral fungal infections or uh, bad tuberculosis or things like that and then they get tested for hiv and that point sometimes it can be too late um mm. so yeah so that is so that's what happens with hiv so like i tell for any other sti shibli i think regular sti testing is the key it is the key because you know your sexual behavior and we have been saying time and again using condoms are very very important so if you feel like you have had unprotected sex anywhere whether you're you know there are some people more risky to have hiv than others and some of them include gay men or people who have sex with sex workers or sex workers themselves these are all population which are high risk and are high risk of having hiv Uh so if you feel like you've been exposed to something like that and you did not use a condoms just go and get yourself regularly tested and I think that's that's the best way for early diagnosis is just regular testing. Hmm. Okay. So I have a lot of follow up questions for this. <laughs> okay. And um uh, the first question is 
um you said uh, the peop- the crowd which is more vulnerable is gay men uh, or men who have sex with men so um could you explain why that is yeah sure uh sorry i just want to clarify that this demographic of who has more hiv completely differs from one country to another mm-hmm. so like for example like in australia let's say men who have sex with men and gay men are the are in the cohort of population which have more hiv but if we looking at a population from south africa heterosexual women and heterosexual men are lot of people who have hiv and if we coming to india there are both gay men who also have hiv and there are also a lot of sex workers and men who have sex with sex workers who also are at an increased risk of hiv so i just want to make sure so depending on the world demographic and which part of the world you are your hiv risk and who is having hiv more differs okay mm-hmm. um and then now coming down to your question shivli The reason gay men all throughout the world are at an increased risk of having HIV or exposed to HIV is because the anal canal through which they are having sex is not designed actually for a sexual encounter like the vagina mm-hmm. and the skin of the anal canal around the anus is actually really really thin and it does not have the capacity to expand like how the vagina can expand you know can almost give a baby out mm-hmm. unfortunately the anal passage does not have the capacity to you know just smoothly expand and accommodate a penis and then just come back to its normal it doesn't have that feature of a vagina and also vagina is self lubricating right they have discharge mm-hmm. and it lubricates just to make the process a little bit smooth and easier and mm-hmm. unfortunately anal canal or anal passage does not do that or does not have that either so a lot of the times with anal sex you see bruises cuts and you know bleeding and all of those things happening around anal sex and cutting and opening of the mucous membrane right you you're making a cut or a bruise and mm. opening the mucous membrane and that increases your uh, risk of acquiring hiv and other stis much more easily so when the person who has hiv ejaculates into you the bum tissues already like torn or rip the hiv goes through that crack much more easier much more quicker in gay men so even in gay men the men who are the bottom who are the receiving men they are at an increased risk than the men who are the top who are the giving men but i want but even if you're the top even if you're giving you're still at an increased risk of acquiring hiv but a little bit less when compared to the men who are receiving or who are the bottom as we call yeah and you're saying that most of the times while uh, people are doing uh, like are engaging in anal sex they can uh, use a condom to prevent this they can they should if you want to yes they can use a condom to prevent this and they should be using plenty and plenty of water based lube mm-hmm. to make it all a bit more smoother or to make it a bit not so traumatic or not cause cuts and bruises and trauma because that's very common with anal sex and take it slow and steady and yeah so i think all those steps with anal sex is very important in prevention strategy condoms is very very important when you're having anal sex uh, especially if uh, again among the risky population and you just want to be careful that you're not acquiring hiv yeah okay 
so um till now we have discussed about um how hiv can be spread through um sexual encounters and i'm uh, thank you for giving such information about it i'm just wondering now if it is only sexual encounters that hiv spreads or are there any other ways for hiv to spread sure like i mentioned before a minority of the times hiv can also pr- spread with amongst injecting drug users where they are sharing needles where the blood from one person contaminated with hiv and the other person is sharing the same needles straight away and through that way you can also get hiv and again i mean it's really really rare these days to get hiv through blood, blood transfusions because i think all yeah. blood banks around the world are screening their blood really thoroughly before it is being transfused these days in olden days i think it used to be one of the reasons but uh, these days the transfusion is the least cause of it because you know there is very thorough screening of hiv and stuff like that in the transfusion blood and many part of the world gay men are not allowed to donate blood at all um hmm. yeah so 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 that is the very very low risk and other way where it can be transmitted is sometimes from mother to baby if the mother did not find herself risky or if she's in a country where hiv test is not a part of regular prenatal testing um you know and i sorry antenatal testing and i think that time they can pass it on to the bub so mother to bub transmission of hiv is also possible now moving on to the next question that i have mm-hmm. is we have been talking about uh, sexual in- intercourse and how that is a major uh, reason of spread of hiv mm-hmm. so um suppose if a person has hiv and you are saying that there is a very less chances of hiv these days turning into aids yes. if there if there is awareness yes. so what do you think are the things that a person with hiv can think can keep in mind while they are engaging in sexual encounters um, or maybe can they engage in sexual encounters oh, absolutely yes they can um, okay mm-hmm. so i'm going to say a bit more about this okay so if we, so I'm going to talk a little bit about guidelines for the treatment of HIV because this is international guidelines and uh, most mm-hmm. of the countries are following these guidelines and this is based on the fact that we want to have all HIV people on treatment at least more than 90% of people should be diagnosed with HIV quickly more than 90% should be on treatment and more than 90% should not be able to spread the HIV either so this is based on the fact shibli that you know when somebody is diagnosed with hiv they have very very increased hiv virus in their system and as soon as mm-hmm. we start the treatment almost like in about 4 to 5 weeks time like let's say max 3 months that's how much it should take the virus should almost become undetectable is what we call which is less than 20 virus in your body so fin- so mm-hmm. just to compare i'm saying in the beginning there should be like about 100000s of virus in your system 100000 mm-hmm. in about 4 to 5 mm-hmm. weeks after treatment we literally are able to bring the virus down to 20 so you hardly can oh, wow. yes it can be 20 or it can be even one we don't know so the machines that we have these days detect any number of virus about 20 
but so when the machine is not able to detect the virus in your blood we call it undetectable which means we are assuming that mm-hmm. the number of virus in your system is less than 20 virus but that could be four that could be eight virus mm-hmm. eight numbers literally on all, all over your system mm-hmm. so when your virus wow. becomes undetectable a person with hiv transmitting that undetectable virus through sexual encounter is 99.9% nil hmm so if a hiv positive patient is diagnosed and they know they have hiv and they have started treatment the chances and if their virus has become undetectable and they know that through their blood testing with their doctors the chance that they are going to transmit this hiv virus to their wives to their child or to any other partner that they are going to have sex is zero that's how now that's very bad treatment is these days this, exactly you know how you said are they allowed to say, have sex at all from that we are not in that stage anymore from that stage they are allowed to get married comfortably without being a uh, infecting their regular partners they are allowed to have babies their regular partners are allowed to get conceived with their babies and have hiv negative babies because this person's hiv is undetectable because of the treatments that are available these days so that is what we mm-hmm. need to educate people and tell them things have changed and it's not the end of the world people can have normal life and once you have hiv it does not mean you are going to give everyone hiv when you have sex but if you're on treatment mm. and undetectable yeah. then you won't yeah okay so i am so happy to hear these things because um honestly if i can give my perspective of it mm-hmm. um of course i do not have a background in medical mm-hmm. so whatever i have learned is through you know all the conversation that is happening around me which is half of them are myths mm-hmm. so i'm so happy to hear that there are uh, such amazing technologies these days and medical and adva- medical advancement mm-hmm. which is being able to really cure people Absolutely. and um in my thoughts before i even became a sexuality educator i thought maybe like you were saying that if somebody has hiv means they die um it's like cancer <laughs> where not anymore but these days even cancer is uh, you know treatable yeah. so i'm very happy to see this kind of advancement happening for people absolutely and i so, think the knowledge yeah. spreading this knowledge is important isn't it how like it's so important for people to know that so they are able to go and get tested yep definitely so let's do very quick thing where um let's break some myths about hiv yeah so um what i need to ask from you is um i'm going to tell you certain things that i've heard and i've um asked my followers and people around me and they have given me these myths yeah and i would like you to break them or like tell me if they are True valid or, or not yeah one of yes so one of the first things that i've heard is um aids came when a man was having sex with a ape and the ape passed that down to the man and then the man went and had sex with more people and that's how it started and it started in africa correct 
it's true it's it's true that okay. uh, hiv was a virus that was first found in monkeys or you know apes um that is true mm-hmm. and then it did spread to mankind and how i mean literally how whether the man had sex with an ape i think that's just the connection that we are trying to make uh, as to how else he could mm-hmm. have got it uh but it is true that mm-hmm. it, it was a virus that was found in monkeys first hmm okay um then the idea of how aids can spread through sweat and you cannot touch the person who has aids or who has hiv false so i'm saying you can okay. have sex and not have hiv from the person forget the life yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah we have yeah, we and have I've, moved I've, way far away from that way far away touching hands plates utensils you know like that's right if you have hiv you get treated and you can actually have sex so so there's no way of giving it any other way okay and i think the third myth uh, which i wanted to talk about which i think we already have covered which is only homosexual people have yeah. um yeah. aids and that's, that's not, not true. true that's not true Yeah. And I think that's the idea okay. that also really so, really has to change because sometimes people don't consider them risky if they are thinking that oh I won't get you know HIV because I'm not gay I'm not having sex with men so that is kind of like a that that's a big myth that we actually have to break uh, especially back in India because you know people don't go and get tested thinking that they are not risky they they think like this is a gay man's disease and I haven't done anything so it won't be me so i definitely want to emphasize on the fact that that's not true so if you've had unprotected sex with somebody that you really don't know and just casual go and get yourself regularly checked you know mm-hmm. six months six months to a sti screen it wouldn't hurt yeah mm-hmm. so when you say go yourself uh, go and get yourself um, regularly uh, checked mm-hmm. what do you mean by that if you can um maybe give us a bit of understanding of how to get yourself tested for hiv yeah so you do have a standard test which is the antigen antibody combo test and that's just a standard blood test and most of the place the hiv results come back really quickly within a day or two so that is something that you mm-hmm. can go and get tested there are also some rapid hiv test that's available which takes a few hours so some clinics have the rapid hiv test where you go and do like a blood blood spot like a finger prick test and you get tested rapidly when they say rapid i think it takes a couple of hours for the results to come back however they still have to do the antigen antibody test as well along with the rapid test so that's something there is also now we are doing what's called dried blood spot test which is like a home testing kit for hiv uh, i'm not quite sure if it's available in india but it is available like in australia and some other part of the world where you can go to a pharmacy mm-hmm. and get just get a dried blood spot test and you can just test yourself in the house and if it comes positive mm-hmm. then you go and see a medical practitioner so these are different testing um, tools that are actually available for uh, hiv are uh, testing these days so what i'm understanding is that one of the best ways to have protected sex and protect yourself from hiv and aids is to use condom every time you have sex yeah i think we'll just start off with i was just going to say um yes using condoms is very important 
and if you haven't used condoms get regular testing is again very very important to prevent yourself not only from hrv but from any other stis yeah definitely we have already talked about stis and how that is yes, important yes, so yeah 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 so if people have not heard that as that podcast episode you can go back and hear that for your knowledge is are there any ways for people who identify as queer um to get more queer friendly kind uh, kind of doctors or are there any queer friendly clinics um in india or in the world is that even a thing there yes yes yeah it's absolutely a thing and that's what i do and my clinic has so many doctors and nurses and counselors and every state in australia has clinic like that and i'm sure united states and the uk also have sexual health clinics which are extremely queer friendly and most of these clinics around the world are actually free to be honest um we also have youth clinics and mm-hmm. because the youth actually are connected to their parents and cannot afford the youth clinics are also all free of cost so they are able to come and get tested get contraception get advice counseling a whole bunch of thing so we really have some fantastic um service here shivli and my main aim is somehow i think we as a group you know should bring this to india as well mm-hmm. uh, there is a link actually which is there where there are a list of queer friendly and list of queer friendly gynecologists and dermatologists list i think there is a link i could probably yes. pass that link on to you if you don't yes. have it i think um that's it there and i there is again i think a lot of people are doing stuff for women and women based sexual health so there is the you know the kara clinic which is just uh going to just newly start off with a whole bunch of you know gynecologists and sexual health doctors and dermatologists to talk about um sexual health that mm-hmm. they are using the platform instagram as well i think karaclinic.com mm-hmm. um and yeah. people can do online booking and i will be a part of that actually doing consultations for people in india mm-hmm. that's wonderful and yeah thank you yeah. and i'm also going to start consulting for proactive for her Um, mm-hmm. so i will be on their group of doctors as well and i will be starting my consultation again with those with india so i think we are trying to bring in a lot of doctors and a lot of queer friendly people who can actually be out there able to help the community and be able to do this um yeah. so yeah yeah and that's very important definitely um even at shift density we are working towards creating a database of sex positive people uh people who are professionals and uh, it's definitely something which we are working on and yep. it will take more time for us to get there but i think what you're saying is very true that we as a collective need to work towards this and Absolutely. towards um you know making it Achieving more wholesome yeah. for people yeah yeah So till uh, so far we have been talking about how people who have contracted HIV can work towards controlling it but what about people who do not have HIV and how can we uh, work towards protecting ourselves from getting HIV perfect that's that's a very good question shivli because there's so much of advancement that's happened for those who are not hiv positive and them wanting to prevent the hiv so i think the long term thing that's been around 
for time and ages is the condoms and condoms are such a fantastic way of preventing hiv and it is also true that you know when people say that oh i don't i don't feel it with the condom i just can't do it with a condom mm-hmm. and i don't enjoy sex with a condom it you know a lot of people think they just say it just like that but that's not true it is it is genuinely you know people really cannot actually have pleasure or they end up going and risking themselves these so they take the high risk um, behavior as we say they are they are ready to go and get hiv or they are okay to get hiv but they would rather have unprotected sex so a lot of research has showed that this is true and what has happened is we have done a lot of research and we have started to use what is called pep and what is called prep mm-hmm. okay pep stands for post exposure prophylaxis where we use a tablet that we use for treatment of hiv for a person who does not have hiv and he takes it for 28 days after the exposure has happened so this tablet can be taken anytime 3 days after that exposure has happened it is pretty much like the emergency contraception or the morning after pill so once they have been exposed to this and they did have sex and they did not use a condom what we did is we start this tablet within 3 days and they take it for 28 days and taking this like this actually prevents acquiring hiv if they have been exposed to that uh, in that particular sexual encounter 99%. So it's very very effective and that's called post exposure prophylaxis. And other thing that has recently we've been doing in the recent years when I say recent years actually 2 to 3 years now is pre exposure prophylaxis. People who are going and having sex with you know other men or or risky population are actually taking this same pill one tablet every day so that they prevent themselves from acquiring the hiv and that is again effective 98% if you take that tablet every single day the tablet does have some side effects so people have to keep in mind and get their kidneys and you know liver checked every now and then but it definitely prevents them from acquiring hiv so for those people who are not able to use condoms who are having unprotected sex and want to prevent themselves from acquiring hiv and giving it to other people there is pep and prep which is a thing that is very very important and has a very big role to play in the prevention strategy of hiv in other parts of the world it is something that we should look at and we should encourage people to do and be on it Hmm. Uh so so these are the three important strategies that actually somebody who does not have HIV can use to prevent themselves from acquiring HIV. Hmm. Okay, that's very interesting and um thank you for bringing that up and uh, talking about it. Um yeah. thank you so much Dr. Nivedita for uh coming in and giving us all these very very important information about HIV and AIDS. I hope our listeners can uh learn something from this and use it in their uh lives and we at shift density believe that knowledge is something which is very powerful and can empower people and i hope that that is what it did i definitely know i feel quite aware and uh empowered by just listening to you and i also feel a little relaxed that you know uh knowing that yeah. um that it's not a deadly 
disease anymore and disease anymore yeah, yeah. so it's wonderful mm-hmm. to know this from somebody especially like you who has been working in this field for so long so i hope our listeners learned something from it and stay tuned for more such content at shift density uh, bye